0: Folks, welcome to the podcast. Uh, glad you're back with us again. We're real fortunate today to have Justin Shaw with us. Justin's got a, just a really strong business background, strong sales marketing background, does lots of things really well. Justin, uh, kind of tell folks a little bit, for those who don't, who don't know you, tell them a little bit about what you've done in life and and kind of where you are and what you're doing with fabricators these days.
1: Sure. Yeah, I think um, uh, I won't go too far back. Uh, we did that recently on the, on the action flow podcast and we went really far back. Um, and so I'll, I'll kind of take it from the point that, that relates to, um, having an entry into the stone industry. And so prior to that, I had a growth marketing agency based in New York, um, and was contacted by a supplier. We're still working with them to this day. So it's coming up almost on our seven year anniversary, Wow. um, started working with their, It's kind of like their satellite. You know, they have a a showroom um, stocked with a million dollars in inventory. um, And they wanted us to, you know, help them grow that side of their business. And that eventually led to working on their primary business um, for their fabrication side of things. Uh, And I think it was about uh, three years into that, that we you know, had slowly started to get referrals from friends of theirs, you know, SFA members or, you know, other, um, other, uh, people in their network and and that were part of different groups like that, that they started to slowly introduce to us. And we started to see a lot of the commonalities and and challenges. Um, and so about three years into that, we made the decision to focus solely on the stone industry and, and fabricators specifically. Um, and so that uh, led us on a path at that time, we were doing a lot of the, a lot of the things we had done previously in a growth marketing agency, where you're really operating within a lot of the digital and social channels, um, even some direct mail, for example, um, to generate demand, generate awareness, traffic, but ultimately leads and sales. Um, but when we got into when we made the decision to enter in and uh, niche down, narrow our focus and only work with stump fabricators, we wanted to ask our current roster of clients what they thought about that idea. Um, the immediate feedback was, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and actually I just had a conversation with that client yesterday uh, and we just were sort of reflecting on the journey and I was like, I should have maybe listened to some of your advice, you know, some of, I listened to a lot of his advice, but first, You know, his primary thing was, are you really sure? And you should think about that maybe harder, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you know, um, and I say that to say, you know, there's, there's a lot of constraints, a lot of challenges, but nothing in this business is easy. Right. Uh, and so, you know, he wanted me to really have an awareness of what some of the challenges would be in order for the solutions that we were providing to be successful three years ago. Um, but at that time, when we made that decision, we sat down with them, and that was the first thing they said. The second thing they said was, "We appreciate that you guys do, you know, Facebook ads and Google ads, and you want to generate leads. But, you know, shops—if you're going to go out there and approach them, they may already have somebody, um, or they can go and find a local provider. You know, to do those services, you should really look at solving some real problems." Um, and so, we met with them and uh, sort of had a, a bit of a roundtable discussion. And made a list of the things that they felt um how, what's the uh is this a rated how is this podcast rated <laughs> for explicit language <laughs> uh, then
0: i don't know uh whatever works works
1: <laughs> okay i'll keep it I'll, I'll, but basically you know it was like they basically said hey we have all the same problems and we get when we get together we all bitch about the same things maybe that's as that's yeah. still sort of pg right <laughs> that works yeah <laughs> yeah um uh, and so I was like, okay, you know you you want to know from your customers directly what are the what are the things you know they keep them up at night what are the persistent yeah. pains yeah. and what are they really frustrated by and so um we sat down with them um virtually sat down with them on a on a Google meet had that call and and made a list a long list and then we went through the process of kind of ticking off what are the things that are in our wheelhouse that we have experienced from our prior, you know, uh, agency experience, and then what do I have experience prior to that in my previous career? Um, and let's cross off the things that we just, you know, have no experience in or don't think we can attempt to figure out. Um, and so we shortlisted that, and we worked um, for free for a small group of clients for about a year to test out the, the various things that they wanted to help with, and and that really was invaluable, you know, to learn about the stone industry, um, really get a lot of insights into the various challenges they were having and, um, implementing different things and seeing what would work over that time. Uh, and then we came away with what were our core solutions really, and then started to expand from there to work with more shops really around that core group of things. And that was sort of the early days.
0: So you spent a lot of time, um, to, to kind of wrap, to kind of summarize that you spent a lot of time in early days working on how to acquire leads, uh, a lot of, a lot of that type of activity. And then once folks have leads, what do we do with them? The, the sales process, the follow-up, uh, and, and built a lot around that. Now, are you still doing that type of work or is there something else that you're, you're starting to morph into?
1: Sure. Thank Yeah. Thanks for that. There's been a, it's been quite a journey. It was, uh, from that first discussion with them it became like this onion you know and, and maybe we should have put more cons- you know more uh a more established you know sort of framework of okay th- this is the scope of which we'll operate in but we were really curious you know and thought in order to discover you know where we can really plant our flag and offer tangible value and solutions let's be open but that created this onion of we we were positioned as growth marketing agency. And that's primarily, you know, a lot of fabricators are looking for that. We they want more leads. And so that would start. And then they were like, well, we need a system to manage the leads. And so that took us down the path of, um, you know, building a sales engine for them and CRM implementation. But then that led to, but people aren't following up with the leads as much. And we don't have a sales manager in place or the sales managers even too busy. So how can you guys help provide oversight for them? So we did that, <laughs> um, and and the onion just kept getting peeled yeah. uh to even new business development on the b2b side of things mm-hmm. um and we did that for about three years and it just kept getting peeled and peeled and peeled and where we've arrived today is we've really looked at what are the case studies where we've had the most success with specific clients um where are, are those not a one-off or like a one-hit wonder where we've had success where has success been repeated and repeated for multiple years. Mm -hmm. Um, and how can we help more people, which has led me down to the path of, um, instead of us, you know, doing full fulfillment to then helping through a combination of an on-demand academy where they can access our, uh, trainings, our playbooks and frameworks solutions. Um, in combination with live coaching um, and access to myself and our team so that we can help more people at scale. Uh, we were sort of limited in our capacity when it was a done for you model. And now it's a, a more of a done with you model. Uh, and we're finding a lot more success in that. Um there seems to be more satisfaction and ownership of things when they have, when the the shops that we're working with um, have a hand in in. Doing the work, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, to, to clarify, on the with the uh, online portion of what you're doing now, still focused on sales and marketing and and processes and managing those those processes, or, or has it got ah, some yeah, additional yeah. things?
1: Essentially, what we've arrived at is previously we we're offering something called the Sales Engine in 90 Day Program, um, which really focused on okay. The generation of leads, leads coming into your ecosystem. How are they being nurtured, followed up on? How can you create uh, brand, advocate, uh, brand advocates afterwards? So it was really just focused on on that area. Um, and as we peeled the onion back a little further, we've identified that we need to take a more holistic approach. So we've evolved that program into what we now call our growth engine and 90 day program. And that's really to establish the foundation that a lot of shops and trade pros in general uh, require in order to create sustainable growth. So what we've learned over years of working with shops, there are some that have been able to, um, well, we've helped everybody achieve various degrees of success. However, there are some that have been able to maintain that, you know, and continue to grow consistently over time incrementally. Yeah. Um, but there are others that, you know, are at the, and it's easier said than done, but at the whims of various conditions, whether that's economic market conditions, new entrance competitors, and you end up on that roller coaster, right? I call um, that the, the,
0: tum- I call it the uh, tumbleweeds method of managing a business. <laughs> yes, wherever the wind right. blows, that's where we're going. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And so, a business we're really looking at helping to solve that problem, and there's that's in combination with you know. Some of our clients working with you, working with others like Stephen at counter- Marketing Countertop Marketing Co. You know, it's um, not going to solve for everything, but it's going right. to you know help to ensure they're able to create a business by design and not by default. So it sounds like um, you're
0: kind of getting into business management and some some techniques around that and how people view their business. Uh, or are you kind of getting in that area a bit? So where we
1: start in the in the Growth Engine 90 Days program is to establish the foundation. We actually start with the entrepreneur, uh, themselves and as well as key members of the leadership team. But the preparation work we have them do before they actually get into the program and start doing some of that work is really based on, um, the transformation that they need to begin to undertake in order to be able to sustain their game. You know, if they're planning to do this long-term or even. You know i know that you've got a, a series that you're putting together on exiting the business that may still be five years out and you still need to sustain your game to get to that point avoid burnout avoid you know becoming complacent because you're not passionate or the goals and the actions that you've undertaken are not directly related to long-term happiness so you end so, up just so does this does this series come of, with a couch as
0: well I mean, (laughs) it sounds like you're getting into some some pretty deep uh, inside their head, between their ears kind of stuff. That's that's pretty heavy at times.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm bringing in things that were are are a passion of mine, um, and that I operated in prior to getting into uh, starting an agency. Uh, I spent 15 years or more in the health and wellness industry. Um, Was a personal trainer as well as so i always fulfilled two roles i was you know a sales director but i was really passionate about actually you know being ha- you know working hands-on with people mm-hmm. so personal training high performance group training um creating a lot of, programs a lot of, a lot of coaching a lot of coaching yeah. um, and in that there is always the element of you know, identity transformation. Cause you can write up somebody, a program for nutrition or for getting in the gym, but it's a matter of transforming the habits surrounding the 23 hours that they're not with you. Yeah. right? Yeah. And then they come see you that creates all the friction to them actually, you know, being able to be successful in what you prescribe for them. So very similar to that, a holistic approach in, you know, uh, some of the things that we're, we're providing for them are designing their best year ever, their perfect week, um, growth habits, you know, uh, mindset shifts and transformations need to undertake um, and really mapping out their core vision and who do they want to become? Who do they want? Where do they want their business to transform, to become? Um, and really mapping those things out first before getting into the actual tactical
0: things. So, so yeah. We're, it sounds like what you're doing is putting a lot of meat on the bones of this concept of moving from working in your business as a templator or an installer or a salesperson, or whatever, to starting to think about what is your business separate from you. How is that going to be a vehicle for getting you where you want to go, uh, and and really working on the business? Is that a that a fair statement?
1: Ideally, you know, and that's that's where in we've got three stages that we're uh, helping people to go through, one is to set that foundation, moving them from what's been, and this is not, this may ruffle some feathers and it's it's just labels, you know, they kind of helps to identify, but yeah. organic growth, right? Organic growth, accidental growth, sometimes we grow in spite of ourselves uh, and that's okay. Um, and then, or we've plateaued, right? And I say organic growth or accidental, and that doesn't mean that, you know, entrepreneurs or the owners of shops um, haven't been intentional about certain activities. But when we don't have control, you know, over predictable outcomes, um, it's still relatively organic. Uh, And then you'll lead to plateauing and hopefully avoiding the worst case scenario, which is not only plateauing, but then one step forward, two steps back kind of thing, right?
0: And I think this concept of control is really strong. Um, because I think if you talk to a lot of the especially smaller fabricators, they'll tell you they don't have, they will feel, like, feel like they don't have control over anything. Whereas the mm. fabricators who have gotten much larger, more successful, I think have have realized that they have to decide to control certain aspects of their business. Is that kind of yeah. what you're seeing?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, So that foundational element has them focus on and we've broken into three three sort of phases is to first uh, strategize. So first doing an assessment, identifying, you know, what are the where are how have they previously performed, what's the current state of affairs, what do they require for growth? Um, then that can be numerous things, whether it's financial investment, new talent, um, different skills and capabilities, for example, technology and tools. Um, so really doing an assessment first and then moving into uh, the core vision, so what we call it so identifying the core vision uh, that comes from the entrepreneur. but then as you relate that into what is going to be the we take it as once they identify the core vision, they name it something else. So that might just be you know ABC Granite's business in 2027. Right, so that's just the the future state, and they create the the statement for that and the documentation for that to help be the north star. Um, in that, we look at things as well as not just their core vision, but then you start to bring in key team members as to where do they see themselves going, you know, in this in the organization. Um, what is their ideal future state in the business? How do they want to, you know, spend their day to day? Uh, and incorporating that so that the entrepreneur and other hire if there are if there are senior members if it's just you know one person right now then it's still building it out for those key team members that they envision having in the future right. um because that's really important to create that pathway of success for those key team members being build a culture where it's not just for profit or for the uh outcome that satisfies only the needs of the business owner so that everybody's really invested in creating those outcomes. And then we move to the strategic growth game plan. So that's really just the first phase um, of that foundational
0: layer. So so question for you, one of the, I mean, it's all good stuff. Uh, I think it's definitely needed in businesses, uh, especially in small businesses. Um, one of the challenges, that I, I mean, this, this takes some time to do what you're talking about. Take some thought, take some time going through whatever schedule plan mechanisms you've got set up what i'm wondering is for the the small shop small being a relative term but for the shop owner who is really just totally consumed by their business who knows that they want to make these types of changes in their business Mm What do you uh, how often do you run into people who simply can't make the time for this? and then how do you overcome that barrier and help give them ways to to generate the time to work on this? What are some of the tools, techniques, yeah. approaches that you take that that maybe people can take away from this podcast? they can start thinking about themselves to to start down a a discovery journey like this?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So we can give something tangible we can take away. So that that really comes in that prep work phase. And and uh, and you nailed it because as we peel back those layers of the onion that we talked about of how we've arrived where we are here now today, is without removing that constraint, because that's so often the problem, right? Yeah. The kind of the chicken and the egg is uh in the preparation work, uh two of those key components that we've adopted and provided and then help them to go through is reclaiming their time. You know, that's, that's one of the first things that needs to be done to be able to take any of the actions on what we're providing. So there's a couple of different frameworks that we provide in a great book that people can go out and read and, and follow that book is buy back your time by Dan Martell. Um, and then a very D- Dan Martell, the kind of quick takeaway from that is you've got these four quadrants. Uh, and if you had, well, I don't know if this will. all, Just in audio, you've got four quadrants and in the lower left-hand quadrant, you've got the delegation quadrant, right? These are the things that, you know, drain the business owner, you know, that can be everything from auditing QuickBooks, for example, right? Uh, things like that, that are just a, a nightmare, you know, to kind of spend your time doing and drains the business owner and doesn't necessarily impact growth or revenue generating, um, tasks, you know, and as you move through the four quadrants without going through all of them right now, um, you want to get to the, really working on the things that impact the business, generate revenue and energize you or light you up uh, as a business owner. So that's one of the uh, the great, um, it's, a gr- it's a great read. It's a very actionable read. Um, and one of the things that we cover Uh, And he has a formula for how you calculate it, you know, in terms of what your buyback rate is, what you can afford to actually pay somebody so that you can move those delegation tasks off as quickly as possible. And kind of the whole, you know, big idea there is you're hiring to buy back your time versus hiring for growth. Right. And I kind of have like a little asterisk beside that in our, in our trainings and, is that yeah if you need to hire an installer you're not going to skip that in terms of hiring like an executive assistant because they're not going to fulfill that need right but you know that's kind of obvious but if you're if you're still you know adopting that mentality that he has you're really looking at being able to free the business owner up to do the things that you know fascinate them motivate them light them up um and that directly impact growth. So that's one of the frameworks that we provide and have people go through before they do anything else. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, sorry. Uh, just ahead. as
0: you're talking, there's two questions that come up. I'm thinking as a, as a, as a shop owner is listening to this, one is this, this concept of delegation, giving someone else the responsibility for doing something, also giving them a, a well-defined box of authority within which to operate, and then how they manage that are you finding that that the the shops that you're working with or the owners are able to do that well, or is that still a barrier for them? And if it's a barrier, what do you what do you find as a good way to overcome it?
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I mean that book really does does get after that, and you know, and so he's got. I think it's the buyback loop. Um, so you have to continue to audit. It's an ongoing. I, I use it myself. It's an ongoing process because you know the very first thing is starting to actually, and so we have. We have the owners go through that, create that action plan, and we act as accountability partners. So that's really um, you know, one of the biggest parts about this is, you know, if it was just information, they wouldn't necessarily be able to be successful. But acting as an accountability partner, we're really there to see that certain things get we use the word installed, you know, as right. an industry term. It's, so that's the execution. Yeah. Exactly. So that by that date, they've gotten five things you know, on that list. Okay. Those are going to be delegated out. They've found the person to do that. They've got a plan to hire for. We're there to help them do that. We're also there to help ensure that they don't fill that time with other things that are really just in the first two quadrants and that they're really filling those things with the third and fourth quadrant, but you have to repeat that on an ongoing basis. It really is something you have to audit that um, typically, we say every like thirty days at the beginning until you get really good at it.
0: Yeah, part part of delegation definitely is is doing the follow up and and making sure things are being done the way you want them to. I think the biggest challenge I I see shop owners struggle with is that fear of giving up control because things won't be done as well as I can do it. It won't be done as quickly as I can do it. For sure, and that's that's really a, a big barrier. But it sounds like what you're doing is is helping them decide to carve out a small amount of time you're helping them decide what to fill that time with productively so they can in turn free up more time to do the stuff that they need to do, which I think is is a great approach. Um, The the formula that you mentioned from the book, is there a quick summary of kind of the major factors in that formula for deciding um, a shop owner who really needs to free up more time. So they're going to maybe hire a bookkeeper to, to do invoicing and then receivables and some things like that, that they probably do on their own, you know, it takes up a lot of their time. What's, can you kind of give us just a quick summary of that, what that formula looks like for making a decision?
1: Yeah, I think I'll further, further simplify it. So what we do in our program is we've ultra simplified it in case people don't have time to read the book. So uh, people that are in our program, we, we send out the books to them so they can have more context, right. And, and you know, get, as deep as they want to go on that. But nature of the game is they may have no time to even crack it open. And we've got to get, you know, uh, the first steps towards solving um, aspects of this problem, right? Which is a persistent problem. Uh, Not enough time, not the ability to focus on working on the business. So in that book, there's a whole ascension ladder of, and and a, a whole protocol you go through of what are the tasks you should be looking to remove first and then moving from there so you can identify okay and not skip steps however we've really oversimplified it and combined it with um, it's the abc model from Dan Sullivan which he wrote a very short book on i don't even know if it's a physical book you know if he does it's just a quick pdf cuz he cranks out material like there's no tomorrow <laughs> but you know it's available on audible you know probably available just to google it and you'll find the pdf uh, for that we've combined that with the buy back your time principle And so the ABC method from Dan Sullivan is, you've got these three, it's not a Venn diagram, you've got these three circles of varying degrees of size. And it's very simple. A tasks are those that irritate you. And that's, I think they're labeled in red, right? The ones that really get under your skin. Um, And we all immediately viscerally know what those are as, as listeners are listening to this, immediately those come to mind. Doing your, tasks. Yeah, yeah. Doing your taxes. What's that?
0: Doing
1: your taxes. Exactly. Right now, I've got that as well. I mean, yeah. we've got that. We, we outsource that, but they still need stuff from me. Right. And even though I've got that to where I do 5% of it, it still
0: irritates me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Classic example.
1: Totally. Um, so at, that for me is a mindset thing. I look at it like, okay, I've still got this 5%. And I should be grateful that I get to do taxes at this nature, you know, of this magnitude <laughs> now, and, and be grateful for that. But- the B tasks that fall into that category are the ones you're okay with. And then C are the tasks that fascinate and motivate you. Um, and we could talk about that later, cause that, you know, or not at all, but we're just gonna focus on if you're asking, how do you keep that as simple as possible? Start making the list of the A tasks. What are the ones that really irritate you? And I think that's a good compliment to what Dan, well, they're both Dan's, right? <laughs> what Dan Martell did in Buy Back Your Time, the delegation quadrant might not scream at you things, And that for the business owner, they may just leave those things on there. Yes, they're the things that I should delegate, you know, like, um, you know, just kind of getting the report out of SPS, right? Okay, I should delegate that. And it just stays on the list and there's not enough urgency to move that thing. So we really focus on starting with what are the the ones in the A category that really irritate you get under your skin, cause you to, when you start that in a day, the rest of your day is just awful,
0: right? So let's- let's... can we talk about yeah. the financial formula just for a second, though? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, like, I was uh, just going to jump in In their A category is the bookkeeping. Just use that example. And they, they really exactly. need the, the, the the what they need to do is make a decision to hire a bookkeeper. How do they, you mentioned earlier, exactly. Martell talks about how to value your time against the cost of hiring that bookkeeper. Is there kind of a, totally. uh, a yeah. financial calculation there that's, that's that we can share with folks?
1: Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. So you identify those. And then the buyback your time rate that you calculate is your uh, total income earned. And not to get too technical, and I might need you to help clean this up a little bit, is as entrepreneurs, we may be doing certain things to optimize our finances and you know different expenses that fall under that category that really should go under income. So you're looking at all of those uh, items as well. So let's say it's 100K that you put for total income. That amount, if we've got that, if we were sketching this out, goes is divided by, and he puts it at the average of 2000 hours a year. So 52 weeks times 40. Yeah. So it's the 100,000 divided by the 2000 and then um, divided by four the ROI you wanna get on outsourcing, uh, transferring the task. Okay, so your 100,000 is
0: so, $2,000, $50 an hour. So you're gonna divide that by four is gonna be 1250?
1: Uh, yes, so yeah. that's one of the areas where, yeah, if you got your math right, where as you get to different places, if you're starting at a really entry level and you've got those really irritating tasks, the thing that I find often is, in in personal usage and our clients that are using that is that that rate might feel quite low at times. Mm -hmm. And either you need to get creative about that in terms of, you know, um, how you're going to be able to make that happen, or I've created some wiggle room, you know, around that hard rule of the four times ROI, you know? And so when we're talking with, with our clients about that, first of all, the reality of the situation is, none of them have time to calculate the ROI at four times to know. I mean, it's just, we don't have time for it. Yeah. You know, we have a general sense of looking at that. We have our gut and then we could take some simple measures to see, are we getting a positive ROI? For myself uh, and when we're working with our clients, I'm pretty happy if it's two, 2.5 or three.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds that's, that's, that's pretty look. reasonable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then when you get to the other things, when you're looking at, okay, if I'm I'm the one that's still going out, doing, you know, taking the pro liner out and going and doing that. Okay. Well then that's a task that, I mean, maybe that does fall in the A category and and really irritates certain owners where they've been like, I've been doing this for 20 years at this breaking point. I no longer want to do this. And it really, you know, gets me that I have to do this. Okay. That's not going to be a 1250, right? Task, but In Dan's book, you go. That's not going to happen right away. That's not the immediate thing you're looking at. You're looking at those things that probably do fall in the 1250, 1750 an hour range if you, you know, sort of manipulate the ROI on that calculation. Um, But when you go through the ladder and you move to those things like template or installer, somebody managing on the actual floor you're going to see that the calculation's going to change where that hourly actually can be at the $50 an hour rate mm-hmm. but it is an ascension you're earning more you've freed up time more your business is growing more you're profiting and paying yourself more and then the calculation starts to shift
0: but that's and as we as we much. talk about this that that 4 to 1 payback i think uh i'm glad to hear that you're you're flexible on that cuz i'm thinking in terms of all right that's the cost yeah. side of things uh and, and in reality you know trying to find how find a really good bookkeeper if that's what we're trying to problem we're trying to solve to free up the shop owner's time you're gonna spend twenty thirty dollars an hour to find a, a good bookkeeper depending on where you are geographically and you know whether you're in a city or rural or whatever and in some places you can't even find one um but i'm thinking in terms of okay even if that payback is two to one or even less the value of freeing up that shop owner's time so that they can work on Putting together sound strategies, sound systems for growing and managing their business, the upside, even in the near term, of being able to do that kind of work on their business is worth so much more than the cost of hiring that bookkeeper in this example. And so, I guess the point I, from my perspective, looking at businesses and the recommendations I make to businesses. Um, the four to one i i i know you know the guy's an expert he's written a book okay right. and, and 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 i get it but i think really focusing on what the benefit of that is probably is is totally an even stronger argument than looking at the cost side of things because while well, you want to make decisions that make you money improving your ability to make money, improving yes. the, the way that you run your business. I, I like to tell folks all the time that that your business is running exactly the way you've designed it to run. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like it's the incredible. outcome, it's because that's how you've set it up. And so if exactly. you want to change that, you got to do the stuff that you're talking about. You've got to start thinking about where you are, where you want to go, what kind of changes you need to make, what kind of processes you need, and and that takes time and effort. And if you're already burned out doing the day to day stuff, working exactly. in your business, that's a that's a hard shift. And so making exactly. some small steps to free up time to do this, even if the payback's only one to one, I think is oh, yeah. really really worth it. Because without it, exactly. you're stuck doing the same thing forever.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I was just gonna say, even at a one to one, I've got some. Our clients have some that are one to one, but you'd have to get deeper on it. I I can't remember, I read the book a while ago, and we've distilled it down to a simple framework. Right? right. We need to be able yeah. to get shops, just you read nothing, just it's in two slides, apply yeah. this, let's, let's go, and then right. reapply it and reapply it. But I think if I was to create sort of a, a holistic, you know, formula, you know, not to get too mathematical about it, you have to think about energy and happiness. Like if we were to then, okay, you know, if it's one-to-one match compounded by energy and happiness, I'll take that every day oh, yeah. know, to get yeah. those things off my plate that, that cause me not to show up in the business as my best self or for our clients to just, before they hit
0: the sales meeting,
1: they're burnt out and frustrated, right?
0: Or cause you not to show up at home as your best self. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Folks, we had so much fun talking with Justin Shaw that we went on and on and on. So we felt like it's probably the best approach to just go ahead and break this into two parts. So stay tuned for part two of our conversation with Justin Shaw.